Sometimes change can feel scary, but it can also be exhilarating. A time to stretch our boundaries, embrace opportunity, and start something new. Welcome to the Baby Brunch Parenting Series, made just for you by BrightRock, the provider of the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. This is a Baby Brunch Podcast. She started her career in 94 as a journalist. Today, I know her as my newsreader on my show. What's incredible is, is that you are a mom, that you wear different hats, like most of us, as a working mom, as a woman, a newsmaker, as a journalist who creates the news for all of us about other people. And then in your own capacity, there's a lot that has happened that's newsworthy in such a way that I know will inspire a whole lot of women who's listening to our Baby Brunch podcast series. I'm fascinated by your energy. Fascinated. (laughs) Because every morning you walk into our workplace and you are strong, always happy. Your pot blow over. What part is this in Afrikaans? Oogleerde. Oogleerde. And I just think my girl girds, this is what I can you are just, you are so fresh and happy that it never seems like you're a mom who also goes through stuff. I'm happy to speak to you today. Thank you, Yolana. That was a great introduction, I have to say. <laughs> and that's what, that's what I aim to do every morning because you know what? I am blessed. Mm. I'm blessed with a, a job that I love. It's not even my job. It's, 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 a, it's a way of living for me, coming to the office every day and doing the news. But as you say, once you become someone's mother, you have another hat. Try as you may and love your job as much as you want to. There comes a time where you go home and you are the mom and you face the things that come with being a, a mom, mom, a normal mom with normal problems and praying for solutions down on your knees every night. And that's part of my life too. And it's made me stronger and it's made me more vulnerable in some ways. I I was going to say that because... Yes, there are stories in the news all of a sudden that involve children that you just double take Mm. and you just don't want to listen to that soundbite and you don't want to read that news bulletin because now you are part of it. Because Mm. once you're a mom, you're a mom to the world. Your own child to start off with, but you feel moms Mm. and you feel other kids' plights because you now know what it takes to just make it through every day and just hope that you're raising a child that you can send into this world. Or that you're doing something right. Oh, please. That's what we all want to know is at the end of the of the day, you have done something right because we question everything, right? Mm-hmm. Every decision that you make, you question. Paint a picture because people don't often see you. <laughs> I, I, I want to know, when did you start writing stories? I've always loved writing, but you know, there's one author that said the most, the only way to be acceptably nude in public is by writing mm-hmm. because you become naked. Yeah. You show people a layer of yourself that's very easy to just cover up. So um, I've always written and I've sometimes written to myself and I've mm. loved writing to my son. 
things that I would like for him to read one day and understand and remember, like when he first potty trained and how he lost his first tooth. And everything comes with a story. I can hear some of, the, some, of the mo- some of the moms are going, you have time to write to your son? <sighs> you know, you would be surprised. You think you don't have stories and you think you don't have time mm. until you write one sentence. And it just comes. It just goes. So I'm, I'm blessed in the way that I can um, tell him his life in that way and also be very honest mm. about how I write it because I choose the words and I choose what I write in there. I love this. Okay, wait. So <laughs> do you think that the words you write for you, because I mean, you, most of the time you write a bulletin for people to listen oh. to in ons luister dan op die radio, want jy het gesê omdat het iets is wat nou in die publiek gebeur het. Maar, so, so there's one thing, speaking affirmations mm. to your child, right? Do you think writing about your son and putting words that you choose in there will will let him read it and become that? In some ways, I hope so, because obviously you speak, you, you, you hope for something in mm. some of those letters and you hope that he he does do that one day. Mm. And in other ways, you know that it's your own perceptions and your own Wishes, and dreams. Exactly, exactly. So, and in news, I work with facts. When I write to him, it's abstract, which makes it more difficult. It's much easier for me to stick to a fact and to look for a fact mm. than it is to me to write to my son because those are about feelings that you can't put a fact to and that you, you just, you're almost too scared to sometimes say it out loud and now you have to put it on paper where it will live forever. So it, it, it makes you very honest and think twice about you know, we sometimes say things to our children and you lie in bed at night and you think, yeah, I shouldn't have said News, that. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Or in the mornings on the way to school and you drop him off and you go, oh, now he has to go to school and we've just shouted in the mm-hmm. car and how's he feeling about it? And mm-hmm. you wish you can take it back. So it's that kind of feeling where you you don't know always if it's, if it's the, the right thing to do, but if it is how you feel and if you hope that, then you put it out there and you wish for the universe to help. As a newsreader, you tell, like you say, factual stories about things that happen in this world, in this country. What's the hardest part about your job? Is to sometimes remind myself that it's not my life. And it sounds very selfish. But sometimes that's the way you can get through it, Mm. is by just saying, this is me. This is what I'm writing. This is the sound I'm giving you. And that is the people who's who it happened to, and it's not me. Mm. And then those are usually the days that I go home with no radio on. Mm. I will not put on anything in the car. I will go home with no noise because once I get home, I don't want to be more worked up Mm. because now I've got a little boy who didn't have anything to do with what happened at work and what is in the news. And already as it is, he turned around the other day and he said to me, I don't think it's normal for a 13-year-old to know all these things that's happening in the news because Mm. I find myself listening to news the whole time and discussing news and shouting Mm. at the radio and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. So it is, and it's becoming more difficult because of social media. So even if I'm on Twitter, you follow the news. And on Facebook, you see people affected by the news. Is your son on Twitter? No, but he is on Instagram and I am following (laughs) Good. <laughs> I have to to see what's going yeah, on. Yeah, you have to see the post. Yeah, so it's, it's otherwise difficult. you can comment, right? I'm not allowed to. He's told me I'm not allowed to comment. But at least you have access to it. Mm, yes, I can see what's going on. You have one son. Mm. You married. Yeah. To a Portuguese who would have liked more children. 
So you ask me. <laughs> I, I should then. You have one son. Yes. And, and one is enough for you. I never pictured myself with only one child. I never pictured Tony and I only having one child. I thought I would have lots. I'm, I'm one of three children. Tony is one of four children. Mm. So more than one child was, it was always a given to us. Mm. But it's easier said than done. And it's, you know, life happens when you, when you make plans, then other things happen. Why then, didn't you have more children? Aiden, when he was born in 2005, he was about six weeks old. And he, I'm going to tell you the long story. I'd love <laughs> the story. I don't know. Oh, no, I want to hear. I want to hear. Um, he, when I changed his nappy, he would lose his voice. He would scream and lose his breath and turn blue. How old was he at the time? About four weeks. So being a, a first-time mom, I'm thinking in the beginning, he was born in, in April, oh, in March, and I was thinking in April, he really doesn't like it when I change his mm. nappy. He's really getting cold thinking that. And you know, you think you don't have mother's instinct. You do. Even if you feel dumb, even if you're a first-time mom, even if you think mm. you're not sticking to the book, your inst- you're the mother. To yes, your instinct. Yeah. One day I just packed him up and I went to the pediatrician and I said to him, change this child's nappy. And see what happens. And see what happens. And he pulled the leg and Aiden started screaming and he left him just like that. And he phoned a pediatric orthopedic surgeon and I just heard him speak to him and I'm figuring out what's going on. And he said to me, go home, pack your bags. This orthopedic surgeon is booked out for a year, but this is an emergency. He's going to phone you and you rush. What is he rushing about? Go there. There's something wrong. That's all he said. So I went to, he phoned me an hour later, went to the orthopedic surgeon. At this stage, I was still breastfeeding. Because Um, he's only six weeks old. And, you know, if if that's what you want to do, then you try and keep going, I guess. Yeah. And um, we went there and he sent him for isotopic tests where they inject something in him. And then he has to lay still and they do an x-ray of his whole body. And they show where there are gray marks, there are infections. And they picked up an infection on his left leg. Where the growth plate is, right where it goes into the hip, right there. And by the time I got back to the hospital, the doctor already got the results of the isotopic tests. And he said to me, we've spoken to your medical aid. Everything's sorted. They're not going to phone you. Emergency operation. Where's your husband? Phone him. We don't know how long it's going to be. It's either a very aggressive abscess or it's cancer. Go okay. home, get close, you're going to stay in hospital, he's going to come out. actually moving in my seat. So wait, so so how did you have your baby? Caesarean or normal? Caesarean. So you, you have a caesarean, mm. your baby is six weeks old, and you're learning that something is so wrong that it could be an infection or even cancer? And he could lose his leg. That's what we were told what at that next? stage. So I rushed home. I found Tony. I got clothes, went back to the hospital, realized, okay, now I need bottles because now he says to me, you won't be able to breastfeed mm. him in any case. He's in a body cast. The whole child was in a cast. Um, the, f- the pharmacy in the hospital will help you with milk and bottles and everything. Just get mm. prepared. So about three hours later, it was late at night. He came out, my whole child in a body cast. He was, he was actually, we, we were saying our son could stand at the age of six weeks old. because Yes, he was, because he was all stiff he was from in all a the y. bandage. Oh, yes, he was in a word. Y from, from underneath his arms up until his feet. And then there was just the Y in the slit in the middle where you could put nappy. That mm. was it. So um, it was a very aggressive abscess at that stage that they don't know where he got. And... That's the one thing I also want to tell parents, you know, apart from that helpless feeling 
of giving your baby to a doctor and say, take him. Mm. You know, you look up to the heavens and you say, God, give this to me. I'm old enough. Yeah, I can I'll take, take this. It. Yeah. Spare him that he's six weeks old. Give it to me. And there's nothing you can do. No money, no best, nothing. This is it. So apart from that, you also have that feeling of, okay, where did he get it? Who, mm. who am I blaming? How is did it the he hospital? get it? They don't know. He could have, it could have been an injection that he got and the needle slipped. It could have been a germ in the hospital. Mm. The first thing I said was, was it at home? Is it the cat? Yeah. <laughs> I was paranoid it's yeah. the cat. Don't worry. I so, had that yesterday. Yes. It's like, you know, you, uh, you, uh, yeah. you, you look for the answers yeah. within yourself. Mm. And it wasn't the cat and it wasn't the, the abscess or the, the, the germ that he had was way too aggressive. To, be, to have been caused by a cat or something like mm. that at that age. And the doctor looked at me and he took my hands and he said to me, don't go that route. Save your strength to get your baby through this. Mm. And it's good advice. I am so thankful for those words because in the beginning I thought, I want to know. I mm. want to know why he got it. Why did my son get it? I did everything right in my pregnancy. Mm. My feet were up. I didn't work. We had no stress. I didn't even have nauseous. I had nothing. Why did he get it? Mm. And I stopped there partly because I had a baby in a cast and I, I didn't have time to think of mm. that. But also because something that he said clicked in me and you just get, you have to get through every day. I had to give him 12 mil augmentin. A day. The baby. The baby. Six mils at midnight. I had to wake him up, put the injection in his mouth, mm -hmm. and six mil at noon for six weeks. And he got colic because I couldn't burp him. Yeah. So now I have a baby. Because it's a baby in a cast. Yes. On a new milk that oy. he was allergic to. Oy, 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 <laughs> he couldn't oy, wear oy. clothes. He had no immune system. It was winter. He could only wear nappies. So I couldn't go out. And no one can come see me because we were scared of his immune system. How was your head at that time? I mean, most of us experience some form of, you know, every Thursday you shout a little. <laughs> some admit to postnatal depression. Others feel uncomfortable, unsure. Others feel scared, guilty. You know, there's a lot that goes through a new... Did you lose the plot? This brings, I would. It brings me to your answer of why I don't have a second child. Those six weeks, I cannot remember. Mm. I've actually been advised to go for um, hypnosis to try and figure. I'm, I must. Have, I, I was with him at home every day for six weeks. I cannot tell you if I read a book. I cannot tell you if he cried a lot, if I slept a lot, what I cooked. Nothing. It's like the six weeks missing of my life. I remember clearly when we took him back, and it must have been after the six weeks, for his checkup, and the doctor was very happy with him. And I remember closing his ears and his eyes when they cut off his cast. And that was six weeks later, and that I remember. Do you want to remember? I don't know. In a way, I do, obviously, because I want to get over this. But I don't, I don't want to see how fragile I was. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see if I cried a lot. I don't want to know if I was vulnerable. I don't want to know if I cried for help because there was no one to help mm -hmm. me. And I think that happened. So I think in a way, that's a reason for me to, to not go back there, which I don't think is the right mm -hmm. decision. But that's where we are. There's and no, that was there's 13 no wrong. years it's ago. Your, yes, it's your... 
and I I I see emotion and I <laughs> you know most of the time our imperfect is our perfect you know mm. I know because he's fine now he is we go every year and it's it's I think that's also why the waterworks are going today because we go every year November to check up on the growth of the leg because it was artificially built up, the uh, growth plate. There was a time when the leg was growing faster because right. the body was telling it, you need more to blood grow. because mm-hmm. we don't understand what's going on here. Mm. And it was growing upwards towards into his hip. So it was actually the shorter leg. Mm. And then that plateaued out. And thank God, at this stage, he's fine. So he's normal. He, I mean, where we went five years ago from discussing you know, built up shoes and soles and that kind of thing. We are now at a place where he's normal. He's fine. He's got a huge cut on his left hip, which goes all the way from the one hip to the other one. And that's the other thing. When he was little, he didn't obviously ask questions. Mm. And then when he did start asking questions, he was he loved the Transformer movies at that stage. <laughs> and I said to him, you know what? I think you're... You're half transformer. Yeah, that's basically what's we built that, you. you. are we so built strong. you a little bit. Yes, you are so strong. And he actually fell for that for two years, and I was so happy, happy. and oh, relieved no. <laughs> because I didn't have to tell the truth. Mm. But then came the time where he wanted to know, and then you you see the truth setting them free. They want to know it. Yeah, you but think this, you're sparing but this, your but children? Yeah, you don't. He wanted to know, mm. and the moment I told him. And the moment he realized and he understood it, he was fine. I'm sitting crying because of what <laughs> happened. And he was fine. Oh, okay. So that's why we're going every year. To, oh, no, I understand. Oh, okay. And mm. now he's fine. So now we're at the stage where we go every year. He knows the doctor. The doctor knows him. He knows the hospital. He knows the nurses. He knows where they take the x-rays. It's wonderful. He knows the whole story. And he's now old enough to understand what happened and till when he has to go. So he has to go when he's, till he's 16 because that's when boys generally stop growing to make sure that it's all grown the way it is supposed to. Had you not been on a medical aid or <laughs> even had a partner who's supportive, who you're still with and happily married, things would have been different? A lot. It would have been, it would have been a totally different world because... That operation, a baby at six weeks doesn't, even though you are on medical aid, doesn't come with all medical aid paying for mm. the anesthetist because it's a high-risk operation. Yeah. So we had to pay that cash. That's apart from us living in the hospital. The medical aid pays for, you know how it works, mm. some of it, and then not for this, and not all the x-rays, but you want the extra x-rays because you want peace I want to be mind. sure, yes. Exactly. So that is definitely the first thing. Was, was the fact that you could say, go, save my son, save his leg, do what you have to mm. do. The second one is the partner. And you know men, mm, sometimes they, they, they're very fragile. Mm. <laughs> they, they, they're not always they're as human. strong yeah. as we want them to be. Because you know what? A heart looks the same as another one yes. and it feels the same. Yes. Yes, and it's now the firstborn son and mm. it, was, it was very tough on Tony. As sometimes it was very tough on me and then mm. he was there. But the thing with this is, this is something that only the two of us went through. This is the bag of salt that both of us know what it tastes like and no one else does. That's our reference of where we come from. 
as tilt as it was then and as difficult as it is now for me because Tony knows at the end of every October, I lose it. Mm. I, I look at Aiden's walk. I look at his knees. I look at his feet because now I've got too much information. You know, yeah, that yeah. one. Because you educated. You yes, went, you yes, read yes, a book. Yes, yes. <laughs> Over 13 years of visiting the orthopedic surgeon, yeah. I can now make the diagnosis Dr. myself. Gerda. Thank you. Yes. yes. So by the time we get to the doctor, I'm already half mad. Mm. I've diagnosed him with things that I don't think exist. But wouldn't you advise other moms not to Google it? Oh, Dr. Google... I'm telling you, it's it's a click away from madness. Mm. Insanity just is there. And you go to bed with it at night. And so who you do you worry. believe? Who do you believe? Who do you trust? Then you go, by the time, when I almost lose my mind, then it's luckily time to go to the orthopedic mm. surgeon. And then he said he will take the, uh, the x-rays. And he knows me by now. And he knows I want to see it in detail. So he will measure the hips and he will measure the the, the formation and he will show me this on the x-ray and I take the x-ray home and he says to me go look at it again and next year go look at it against last year's x-ray and you will see it and then I see it for myself the evidence is there science proves this and then I go on for another year but through that time Tony is always the one who says you know that it's not true what you're saying now just let it go. You know what's going to happen. And then mm. he's the voice of reason that irritates me because I don't want to hear it. Mm. But then he's the strong one yeah. who, who keeps it going again. Moms want to be sure when they meet a specialist that it's <sighs> the right one. Does your little voice tell you that too? Mm. From the beginning. From the beginning, it, it told me, you're fine. Mm. You're fine where you are. The way the doctor treated me mm-hmm. as a Love mother that. and yes. not a patient because he could clearly see I was like a deer in headlights mm. like I, I'm sure all his patients and do. you're you're a, when I, when you look at Hada she's a woman <laughs> of control and she is strong and and I have never imagined because to me when I see you here you're a mom and a journalist I have never seen you can I say that weak Mm. No, no, I'm claiming that. Weak in all sense of that word. I I was weak to the point of what do I do next? I doubted everything. I I doubted everything, everything about the six-week-old baby in my life. The first thing you do is you doubt yourself. You you doubt the way you gave birth. Mm. You doubt the what you, you ate. took him home exactly where he's sleeping. Yeah. How and then I had him in a cot, so he had to sleep in his own cot because he couldn't move in our bed. So then you blame yourself for that. Now he's not going to bond with you because he's not in your bed. I mean, it is just it's 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 weak that after years will make you strong, strong. because then I can turn around and tell other moms, you'll survive this. You will. Yeah. You have to because this little human being needs you, needs so much. you to survive. Mm. And if that alone is what gets you through the difficult days and the doubts and the questions, then that's enough. At that point, that is enough. Don't even look at anyone else. And the other thing is also we think we all want to look strong. 
Moms want to look strong. You want to look confident in the decisions that you make. You want to pretend to other people and to your children and your husband that you are confident and that you know which way you're going and that you've done everything that you possibly could. It's not human to be like that. Yeah. It's it's not. It's I, I'm so blessed. It's not a human quality. Someone s- told me exactly yesterday. Yes, to be perfect not, is not a human quality. No, yeah. and there's nothing attractive about that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I've had to teach myself that mm. the hard way. Yeah, and only now that I'm blessed with good friends who I can sit and cry with and laugh with, do you realize that is what will make you. A better person is your belief in your own humanity and its faults. Baby Brunch, the healing series was created to to show other moms that that there's sometimes a time in our place where we don't feel whole and then we can become that. Mm. And just hearing you speak and seeing you, because I can, I can see how you've shifted from where you were to where you are at the moment. What is your advice to moms? who is listening to this podcast and who just feels that they don't have it together, that just goes, what do I do now? I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble because, look, I'm a mess. I made a mistake. It's my fault. Mm. What do you want to say to them? Reach out. Reach out. If you look, you will Find that one person in your life that you know is there, but you either too proud to ask or you are too broken to ask or it's you feel that that phone call is not worth it. Believe me, your children know you think you're hiding things from your kids. And you think they don't know what's going on and you think they haven't seen it or heard it. They do. You hiding it makes it, teaches them that it should be something that should be hidden. And Mm. they're growing up with something that they don't know what it is. So you reach out and get help. The clearer that lesson to your children, that if you are in that position, you can get yourself out of it. Because your children know. They know. And it's not fair towards them just as it's not fair towards you, reach out. You know who's that person in your life. You know who you can go to for help. And you're making it worse in your head by, by, by having an argument from the other person's point of view. You only phone me when you need help or mm. um, I never hear from you or you are always a problem. Get through that. Reach out. Your help, your help will come but only if you say it by its name. Are you fine now? I'm fine. I'm fine. I cry a lot about it. I must say I love to cry about it Mm. because it's my story. Mm. And as much as it was hell to live through it because it was, I'm proud to tell it because it, it makes me someone, a mom, it makes me a mom, with a survival story. And I love that. I love the fact that I can tell other people that I know what that feels like. Yeah. 
I know what it feels like to have that helpless mother feeling and you feeling I'm this child's mother and I cannot do, do anything. anything about it. Yeah. And I may have had it in a more severe way, but it's 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 something that defines me and um rightfully so yeah. because I have 13 years later Aiden myself and Tony are alive to tell the story and I would love for my son to if he one day I've thought about it a lot if he one day has the means to help children with orthopedic problems mm-hmm. Because that, I think, is something that he will understand. That's something we understand. And that will, I, I want him to have that debt in his life one day to, to, to be able to help someone. And I can define for him which direction he should go. Thanks, Hannah. <laughs> A pleasure. Look what you've done to my mascara. <laughs> Look what you've done to me. <laughs> thank you, Ilana. And thank you for talking about something that I thought. I don't need to talk about because everybody's got problems. Everybody with children have everybody going through things every day. And then you think no one needs to hear your story. They've got enough stories. Can I tell you something? There's many stories out there, but we are sometimes too scared or ashamed or afraid to tell them. And I haven't been on earth for a very long time. (laughs) But what I know is, is that when you make someone feel like they're not alone you can shift the world and if there's a few women that are listening to this or a few men that are listening to this in a fool a leni in a look at nugget van advies kry by a mom met wie dit gebeur het then you've given back charity doesn't need money we tell stories thank you you're a blessing so are you Baby Brunch is made just for you by Bright Rock. Becoming a parent changes everything, from your sleep schedule to your finances. That's why Bright Rock's Needs Match Life Insurance lets you precisely craft a solution to cover your specific needs. From protecting your income to covering your debts and your child's future, because you pay just for the cover you need, you can get up to 40% more cover. So get the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. Go to brightrock.co.za. Brightrock Life is an authorized financial services provider and registered insurer. Terms and conditions apply.